Hello everybody, welcome back to Along Come Norwich for episode three of City Till We Die. It's been a little while since we last made a video. I'm going to put my hands up and I'm going to say it's illness that's uh, prevented that from happening, which is a shame because some interesting things have happened. However, I'm sure it's still sort of lingering in my voice, so I can only apologise. However, we are live tonight. For those watching live, make sure you get your comments in. For those who aren't watching live, you can still put your comments in, but we shall uh, respond to them via the YouTube platform george wilson joins me um i think I, I, I don't know what the what the mood is at the moment amongst norwich fans i think it's kind of a, a bit samey but for you george how are you feeling um let's start with instead how was your christmas and then maybe how you're feeling about norwich city <laughs> uh yeah i had a good christmas first of all thank you um hope the same was for you you had a good one yourself i and it wasn't it wasn't really spoilt by the result on boxing day either to be honest i didn't watch the game on boxing day i wasn't that surprised by the result on boxing day so i think the fact i you know wasn't expecting a lot probably helped um because okay we we we'd, we'd seen some improvement in results and definitely an improvement in mood you know i, I i've noticed how on the on the bottom of the screen you've got derby dominance and when i was reading that as that countdown was playing it was um making me feel quite good because we, we've got to we've got to appreciate you know that weekend that we had when um when we got that result and you know that has i think given everyone a lift um but yeah even having said that i think there wasn't too much surprise um by that west brom result because i don't know how how much further we've come um, and how much we've improved. There have been improvements like the, you know, the the Kenny move to centre-back has been one that has come up. I don't, I, don't, I don't know your thoughts on that. Maybe we'll come to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we're still at a bit of a crossroads, aren't we? Although, I don't know, maybe maybe within in a few days' time after the Millwall and Southampton games, we'll be in a different place. Who knows? I think the bizarre thing, and, and I sort of was jotting this down in my very brief notes that I have next to me. The bizarre thing is that since we last made a video, since I, I can't remember what the game was before, I think it was just after Cardiff, where we dared to dabble in the world of optimism. Since then, Norwich have played eight times, Four wins, two draws, two losses. Given the run of form that Norwich were in prior, we think, you know, okay, that can't be that bad. In retrospect, technically, it's not as bad. But as fans who who watch the games and are trying to invest some belief and, and a lot of time into these players, you still aren't satisfied. And it's bizarre typing unsatisfying victories. It's bizarre typing winning isn't enough because that is the case for Norwich City at the moment and it's such a you know uh, what's the word samey it is so samey it's it's insane how it's almost just a constant case of, of rinse and repeat you can pick a 1-0 Norwich loss and you can pick a 2-1 Norwich win and the characteristics of, of those games are consistent you probably couldn't, from a brief description of the game, decipher which one's which, bar maybe a light, uh, a light, a late either winner, which is, I, I don't know if I've really felt like this as a Norwich fan before. We, we kind of had it under Dean Smith, but it's now been so long of this not being convinced by Norwich City on the pitch. It's just, it makes my head spin. 
and I think we contemplated the idea of a 2023 review, but it's just quite a depressing year. So I think let's try and talk about some wins. You mentioned the derby. I think let's start there. Um, what were your thoughts? Because I went into it fully expecting a defeat, but not just a defeat, a heavy defeat for a 2-2 draw where I don't think in the second half Ipswich particularly deserved to win it. I felt very satisfied. No, I'm with you completely. I, I went in not expecting anything from it. I think the first half, when that broadhead chance, when he took it past, I think he took it past two of our defenders and was then one-on-one. When he put that wide, which I, I don't know what the view from the away end was. Like. I, I was watching it on TV. But w- when he put that wide, you kind of, you did kind of think, could could there be something here for us today? You know, they, they were they were just show, showing signs, Ipswich, that they were nervous too a little bit. Um, but then when it went 1-0 one, one to them, you kind of, I, I didn't think there was a way back for us. I think we were, um, well, not fortunate as much, but yeah, we, we, we were fortunate to have a player like John Rowe on our side who could, you know, produce a couple of moments like he did because we didn't really create a great deal, but to, to have someone as good as him and someone with the, um, with the stones to produce in that moment was important. And I loved his celebrations, etc. But I think you're right in that um, when it went two, two in the second half and what was there half an hour left on the clock and Ipswich were attacking, um, attacking that end, which I, I think is more raucous than the other end. I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure. But yeah, when it went 2-2, I was fearing the worst because I thought, having seen this team um, let Leeds slip away and, you know, concede soft goals all season, I thought there's no way against um, an Ipswich team who have been flying that we're going to see this out. But really, other than the gun save that he had to make, um, there was never a, a moment of real panic when you thought they're going to get a third. Um it seems, you know, what are we two two weeks on from the game? But I do think my my memories of that game are so much stronger than any other from this season, almost because you kind of live through it a lot more. And you know, I, I was pacing my living room for a lot of it. But yeah, in, in general, it was just relief at the final whistle, and I w- I was able to go into work on the Monday morning um, with a smile on my face and reminding all the Ipswich fans who told me they were going to batter us that they weren't quite that good. Yeah, I think that game is is possibly the only one in the run of eight that all logic goes out the window. I don't care about three points. For me, it was just about defending that honour because from our position and and from my position, I'll say it's it's just funny at this point. I know a lot of Ipswich fans um, were displeased with the result. Um, I know a lot of Ipswich fans felt like they you know it was a foregone conclusion going into the game but it's just kind of funny at this point and and to be honest with you you've really got to clutch at any glimpses of of enjoyment for what is a really boring season for Norwich and 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 that Mm. certainly is one but in that run of eight games um also a second point quickly before we sort of and I know we'll keep touching on it during the um the episode but 
John Rowe, two goals, which is is remarkable, and and he really backed up his talk. Really wasn't particularly present in the game. Um, no. Not that I think anyone from a, an offensive point of view really was for Norwich, but it's impressive. And and the same goes for the um, the Sheffield Wednesday game where he got his um, he got his what was it, header at the back post. Again, yeah. He wasn't really present in that game, and and he didn't look particularly fit. So to grab three goals in those two games is is really impressive, and he's not as red hot as what he was at the beginning of the season. However, you can see those qualities kick in. Um, the West Brom game was an example of when he can just nick the ball sometimes and 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 cause a little bit of danger. Um, and he he really does have that in his locker. And and I just I desperately want to see a new coach get a lot more out of him. But we'll save that for a little bit later. Um, Let's try and be positive for the time being. In those eight games, what are you you picking out as as reasons and things to to hold on to in terms of? Okay, yeah, Norwich are decent in this area, or this player is particularly good at this thing. What are those things that you perhaps try to extract from those eight games? I think there are there are elements you can. Um you can take from them. I, I think it's interesting that before I try and pick them apart, I think having um, having not been to all of those eight, in fact, I think I've probably been to four of the eight. Um, I think it would be interesting if you asked a supporter who was at the Bristol City away game, was at the, who else did we beat away from home? Um, Cardiff, Cardiff, you mentioned it, who we, rec- who we, um, beat just before we last record. I think if you were at the Cardiff game and you were at the Bristol City game and you've been at the home games, which, you know, we beat Sheffield Wednesday, we beat Huddersfield. I think if you've been at all four of those wins, I wonder if they, if those people would feel more positive than we maybe feel. Because I think if you've, if you've watched City really fight for a win away from home, you maybe, you do get that positivity come through a lot more. I think in terms of the, the home wins we've seen, Huddersfield was probably the most convincing. And um, I think second half in particular, that there were a lot of good individual performances. I think Sam McCallum, unlike the, uh, unlike in the, no, Sam McCallum's performance in the first half at Ipswich was, I don't know where he was for a lot of it, but bar that, I think he's been very good and was good when he came on. Um, and then you've got Adam Eder who came off the bench in that Huddersfield game, who was pretty impressive too. Um, but again, with him, I know you mentioned how he, he's maybe been mismanaged. And I think I can definitely agree with that um, in parts. In terms of other positives you can take, interesting. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, I'm trying to think back to that game. It's a difficult thing to, to think about because it was such a dull one. It was a really dull one. Yeah. I think it was. Um, I think Gabby Zara scored, and that made me happy. That's about yeah, as, yeah. I as think, far as positives I think go. The, I think the Kenny McLean move has been a really, a really good one, to be honest. And I, I think it was one when, when he, when he first did it ahead of the Bristol City game, you kind of thought, "What is he thinking, D- Danny Bath?" You know, on the bench, the recognised centre half. Um, but yeah, but McLean. Hasn't hasn't really put a foot wrong there. I mean, I I didn't watch the West Brom game. I, I don't know um, if he did anything wrong there, but I, from what I read, I don't think he did. 
Um, whether it's the long-term solution, I'm not sure. But um, I, I think Wagner does deserve praise for that. But yeah, I, I, I don't see... I don't see it being something. I don't see us being sat here in a year's time and Kenny's played the whole year at centre back, at least because I think he's got so much to offer further up the pitch as well. I think McLean at centre back has, has really highlighted his qualities as a footballer, and I've blown hot and cold with with Kenny McLean over his time at Norwich, and that sort of the the theme I've noticed is that when we're in the Championship, I really like him. When we're in the Premier League, he's not quite enough. But we're in the championship and we could be for a while. So let's let's focus on that. As a championship footballer, he he's really good. He's an absolute engine. Technically, not too bad. He's playing in a team that should dominate. So he can try 50 of those crossfield balls and land five and everything be um fine and dandy. But his his little stint at centre back is just a real is almost an indictment on on the quality of the existing centre backs at Norwich and and the the recruitment struggles there have been because if you look at that in in isolation you've got someone who's played as essentially a number eight for however many years at Norwich and, and done a pretty good job has just stepped mm. back into centre back and is just as good as if not better than Ben Gibson, Shane Duffy, maybe not Grant Hanley as a defender. Um, Danny Bart, but again, we haven't really seen much from him. You, you pick out this slightly smaller centre midfielder and he really doesn't look out of place compared to who would be there in his place, which is just a bit like, OK, well done, Wagner, for perhaps making that tweak and and whether it's worked to an extent. I, 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 who knows, you know, because what is the standard there? Is it scraping the barrel and and you're saying, oh, it's all right, okay, but what's the long-term plan? Or, or has it been a raging success in, in David Wagner's opinion? We don't know, but it is a real reflection of, of Norwich City's really poor recruitment in that area and, and letting Andrew Omabamadeli go. I'm not going to sit here and say it was a mistake because financially it was it was pivotal to to the club, but it's it's hard to to look at it as a fan and just understand where any of it is going um mm. i i guess the 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 caveat to that is this new era that lies ahead for norwich you've got ben napper um and you've got hopefully more involvement from from mark atanasio you've got this what i'm assuming is is plan being formed uh this this new look norwich how drastic that changes we don't know that's sort of the thing to clutch onto and and as we sit here and talk about if Kenny McLean's a good centre-back, that's what's keeping me sane, not whether he is a good centre-back or not. Um, but I, I do agree that, you know, as far as decisions go made by David Wagner, that is, McLean at centre-back is meh. I can um, I can tolerate that. Um, I'm, I'm just sort of looking at the games here and, and I think I'd like to pick out Preston, in my opinion, as the worst one, which is controversial because you've got Watford in there. You've got a fantastic collapse and and we'll touch on Watford. But for me, Preston was the worst because Preston came to Carrow Road. They rolled over and they said, beat us. They said, do what you want. Play how you like. We're not going to try anything. No offence to Preston fans. I'm sorry you had to watch that performance. That is what happened. Categorically, that is what happened. Norwich City did absolutely nothing about it. And watching that as a season ticket holder, having paid my fairly decent whack for the month, I was sat there 
just quite cold wondering what why why is any of this happening because on the front foot we were blunt on the back well we weren't even on the back foot at any point in the game there was no plan there was none of this occasional uh, what's the word like patterns of play occurring because some, sometimes it happens in these games Norwich can just remind you that they've got some really good footballers who can play some good stuff that that gets sprinkled in there occasionally but for I me think it happened was... once in that game didn't it do you think the, so the, the little sprinkle when, when it was played through to Sarah and that then created the Gibbs chance so oh I think yeah that was, the, that, that was the that was the only one sorry to interrupt yeah. no no no, I, no I, that, that kind that... of it illustrates what it was that was the only time we saw it yeah, I think my brain has done a great job of blocking out how Liam Gibbs could have won us that game. But in the heat of the moment, you think, oh, for God's sake, Gibbs. You look back on it no less than sort of a minute later and think, yeah, that's not his fault. That's just a substitute missing one chance where mm. millions more should have been created. Um, but you have Watford in there as well. We, we had planned to do some to, to do some um, content after Watford, but I sent you the cowardly message of I'm going to have to postpone. And, and my goodness... <laughs> what a game that was. Um, what was it? Two early goals, that that strike from Huang. He goes off with an injury. Norwich capitulate immediately. George, talk, talk to me about that and, and perhaps how that fits into the, the larger picture. I think Watford was almost... Um, you you had the capitulation, but I think what was the the worst part about that night was how we, how we didn't respond after capitulating. There was... There was like zero. It felt like zero effort to try and turn it back our way. It was like you know we'd had the lead, we blew it, and then yeah, there was there was just there was just no no reaction to it. It was like the acceptance that um yeah we we haven't got we haven't got the guts in us. Um, I think I think the fact that since then since then we've seen a response has been good, um, and I think it's interesting the. The statistics around um, Ashley Barnes is um, when he starts the the points per game is so much larger because I, I know a lot of people have been critical of Barnes and um, I can understand that because I think in terms of um, what he brings he he is a lot slower than an Adam Eder or a Sergeant um, but he, he he is that leader and I think he. People do people do forget that at times, but in terms of Watford, yeah, it was um, that was pretty depressing, and I think that was a lo- alongside maybe alongside the Blackburn defeat, which came what a few weeks earlier. That's those are probably the two games where the most calls for um, Wagner to go have come, and the, the people have been most expectant of to find the club statement. Um, and then obviously to add to that, was it, was it that same week? Was it the following night or the night after when they had the AGM and, you know, we were, we were kind of told that, um, well, not that everything was okay, but yeah, um, I can't actually remember which game it was. I think it was, it was, after I think, win, I think it? it was, I think it was that, I think it was that midweek um, or it, or it might've been the Monday before. First of December, yeah. It was before the Bristol City game, just after the Watford one. Yeah. Um, so that those those two mixed in together wasn't wasn't brilliant. But then I suppose the results have come since. So that that is what has um has saved Wagner. I think the other thing you um 
you asked me which positives could I pick out, and I, I didn't mention him initially, but he's come to me since, and it may be um, is silly to be mentioning now immediately after West Brom, but I think Boyer signs has been um, has has to be mentioned as a positive overall because um, in that Sheffield Wednesday game, for example, he was kind of. Um, he was the difference maker. He, he, he looked really fresh. He scored that brilliant goal, and there was there was the uh, the Barnes goal, which he set up almost entirely on his own. Um, obviously, he he had a well. I, I I don't know whether you can call it a, a moment of madness because I, I I have a feeling that there was a um, a bit of miscommunication there with him, kind of only adjusting to the league. There's no, there's no disputing that it was a it was a red card and he deserved to be sent off. Um, but I think if you're looking at, at the last month when Sainz has come into the team, we look so much better with him in the team than without him because, um, you know, on El Hernandez, I think we've, we've mentioned it before, he's just so ineffective. Um, and I'm, I think I've said this to you um, while we haven't been recording, but I'm not looking forward to seeing him in the team tomorrow at Millwall because I just think you you just know what you're going to get with him. Hopefully he surprises me, but yeah, I, I've gone on a tangent there, but signs very good. Um, Watford wasn't at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just all quite disappointing. Um, we've had a comment, St. John on X saying the results paper at the cracks. Wagner is awful. Yeah, pretty much. That's the podcast. Um, podcast in a nutshell an interesting comment which will lead me on to to something i want to talk about from alexis butler it says is it time to find a more prolific player up front than adam Eder or ashley barnes club turnover was positive for this year surely there is money to spend in january that comment um let's break into two halves second half i don't want to talk about finances and no that's not what that means basically um the first half it is interesting and I think Adam Eder at Norwich City and I, I did put a little tweet out, a little a little stroppy tweet um, saying that I think he's been woefully managed in his time at Norwich. I think it what was his competitive debut for Norwich? I think it was like QPR, not QPR, sorry, Crystal Palace in the Prem at home, came off the bench, made a cameo, looked quite bright. Um and then it was Preston that followed a, a month and or then so it was later. Preston, it? Yeah, and exactly. And, and you think of then and now, and, and you have this period of, of Adam Eder being part of the picture, however big his role in that picture. You know, that's that's up to, you know, that's subjective, um, subjective matter. But he's gone full circle because he started as this player with the br- a blueprints to be a, a wonderful footballer. He's powerful. He's quick. He loves to get his head down and run with the ball. Not too bad of a finisher. Um, and you look at this, you looked at this very raw talent and you felt excitement in a period where Norwich had a great coach with a reputation for developing young players. You had this board behind him that had maintained the image of, look, we're promoting young players, et cetera, et cetera. It was all quite exciting. And then it went from that to... We got relegated and he sort of fluffed his chances really through a couple of red cards, but also he was unlucky with injury um, and injury plagued him for quite a while. And and then it became a case of, of last season and, and this season being, well, not so much this season, but last season being, well, he's not taking his chances. He's had some some good goal scoring opportunities, but he's ballooned them. And 
and frustration started being towards him directly because we were panicking about moving on from Timmy Puki and, and Josh Sargent perhaps wasn't as good as what we were hoping. So it then became frustrating towards Adam Eder and, and the spotlight went on to Josh Sargent as he progressed. But now Sargent has been out injured and, and Eder has been playing and Norwich City under David Wagner continue to stall. It's a bit like, oh, hang on a minute, he's actually not that bad. And in games, for example, the Huddersfield game, as you said, he came off the bench and he was really impactful. A game that he should have been starting absolutely after that shift he put in against Ipswich because no one really had a presence in that game. But he was there. You know, I hate saying it because it makes me cringe saying it. But like he was doing the running. He was doing the legwork. Yeah, he was he was good at a good shift. It's it's top class punditry. He put in a shift. But that Mm -hmm. that is... What we're that playing. Was, that in. was that was what was needed at Ipswich, though, wasn't it? He, he, he didn't need to be technically brilliant, but he did need to put himself about, and that's what he did. He won, he won a few headers. He was, yeah, I I, I think put, putting in a shift in that instance for that game is what was expected. So I, I don't think it I don't think it sounds like silly um, analysis from you to say. It. I, I think that is exactly what he did. He he has these moments in games where he he will just like he'll just remind you that he's really good, and he'll like shove someone off the ball and and cut inside and put it across, and it's like okay, yeah, we I see you, I, I know you're a decent player, um, but we're now back at that point of actually he is quite an exciting prospect. He's got a contract where we don't have to think about it basically, um, and he's got the he's he he's maintained that blueprint of 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 all those qualities that could make him a prolific championship goal scorer. Um, and and we, we're we here again with an Norwich City team that can't seem to match his needs. Now, I, I don't believe in building around a player. That's always been something that's been tossed around in football, isn't it? This idea of building your squad around a player. That's never a good idea. Build it around a style of player that suits the style of play, sure. Um, but like for example, we had Buendia. It was all about building around Buendia. No, that's that's not how you should do it. That's not how I view this Adam Eder situation. But we're now back at square one with Eda, where he's young. He, he, by the way, he's still very young. He's very exciting, and he seems to keep scoring goals in a really poor team. But not just goals, really important goals. And, and I'm really going on a passionate tangent here. But one thing I tend to bear in mind and, and try to bear in mind is. Timu Puki for Norwich needed a lot of chances to score the amount of goals he did. By no means do I think Eder will necessarily get close to that immediately, but Adam Eder is, is feeding off scraps. And, and yeah, he has missed some sitters, but there is only chances in games. If you cast your mind back and think about Timu Puki and the amount of times that he scored a brace but could have had a hat trick you know, you lose your hairs due to stress, like we almost did at the time. Um, the amount of times that that guy scored two, but could have had three or four, is wild. But he was playing in a team that constantly supplied chances, even in the Premier League, whereas Adam Eder is, is, is quite the opposite. And and that setup still applies for Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent played for Norwich when they had that brief streak, and, and Sargent's return will, will prove, however quickly he's integrated back in, his return will, will prove his quality, and it will prove whether he was just in a good run of form or whether he has grown as a player and is a lot better. Um, 
But to be honest with you, I kind of want to just get that off my um my chest about it. Sent John on X again says put in a shift, but he's hold up play. He's a lot of work. I don't think his hold up play is that bad. He seems to drift that wide a lot, but that's because he's a player who wants the ball, and he has to do that to get involved in the game. Otherwise, he is literally running around like a headless chicken. Um, I think there's been big questions over his first touch in the past, but I do think this season he is slightly improved on that from from what I've seen. I, I, I get the feeling he is he has really put put the work in, and I, I do think we've seen um, we've seen improvements this year. Don't get me wrong; I think um, Sergeant, when he gets back, will. Um, Will rightly come back in and and become the the main number nine. The the concern for me is more, um, or the concern for either for me is that when they're all fit, we'll, we're going to have four strikers playing for a maximum of two spaces in the team. Um, Huang, I think, has improved and is 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 proving himself to be more of an option to us. But you do wonder. Um, how how many opportunities Eder is going to get, um, particularly when you say Wagner has been quite happy to leave him on the bench on occasion, um, even while Sargent has been out. So I think we shall see how it plays out. But I I'm not sure how many starts he's gonna he's gonna be getting. Yeah, I think Huang for me, I've I've written off in the sense of I don't think he's that bad as a footballer. It's just he was a panic loan in a season for me that's that's redundant in terms of going for promotion if we were pushing for promotion i'd want whoever was going to get us promoted on the pitch but again the roots of that kind of campaign need to be everything going forwards essentially whereas that that isn't the case at the moment so for me a lone player in the mix who, who we obviously aren't going to sign in a season where my definition of a successful season is very different to, to Norwich's in terms of don't think I really want us to get promoted. I want us to start building again. Wang for me is, is not part of that, but we let's talk about Ashley Barnes because he made an interesting point. You said Josh Sargent will rightfully take his place. Let's not, you know, okay. Wang does exist and he can be part of this, but Ashley Barnes Josh Sargent, Adam Eder. We've seen the Ashley Barnes, Josh Sargent thing work. Do you try that again if you're David Wagner? Or do you perhaps look for a little bit of longevity? And in this season of, of building, do you go for Eder and Sargent? Because we've seen, I think we've seen Eder and Sargent. No, we've seen Eder and Pookie before, um, mm. which I think for a game was good when Norwich beat Everton at home in the Premier League couple of seasons ago i think he played with all three didn't he dean smith i think yeah he, he yeah. went either sergeant pookie with yeah pookie through the middle which like you say was like a it was a two-game thing and then i think it was was it either who got injured and then i think so it worked for one and game and then didn't work the second game and then that was it yeah um there was that one night in watford yeah. i don't know i, I think i, I think what you said, I think he will go back to to Sergeant and Barnes initially, yeah. But I think, um, I think there's definitely an argument for for going with either because, uh, as you said, um, the difference he made against Huddersfield um, was a big one um, because that had been a. I mean, the the first half against Huddersfield, not not to keep going back specifically to games, but. 
sitting there at half time in the Huddersfield game was just you you wondered you wondered what we were why we had bothered going because it, it was just there was no um no penetration again it's similarly to the to the Preston game um but it but it did improve like I say um it just kind of it was a better performance but you came out of it thinking Huddersfield were hopeless there and we kind of we've played okay but you know, haven't haven't torn them apart like we maybe would have done years ago. But maybe maybe that's a problem as well. Is that we? Um, I don't think it's a problem, but we've just become so used to seeing um, City teams in the Championship score two and then score two more before the end. Whereas now we're kind of just scoring one and then looking to see it out from there. Is it? Is it's a different approach to what it was like with Farker, isn't it? But then it's a different group of players as well so it's going to be the going to be the way i did see something that said i can't remember which game it was now it's it must be within the last sort of three but there was that comparison to farker's first title winning season that said we've scored 41 goals this season which at this point of, of that season was the same which mm. makes you want to bang your head against brick wall because this team can score yeah. goals and it can score some really good goals as well, which, again, that, that element of, of trying to be positive leads me to, well, the quality is there. And there are enough players in that squad that could perhaps flirt with promotion. But, and, and there's a, a great article from um, NCFC Analysis um, on a Pinkin. My mind was blanking on the Pinkin then. But there's a wonderful article that he posted. It was either today or yesterday a real like tactical breakdown of, of, of Wagner. And it wasn't really even an attack on him. It was just pointing things out. And, and it made you think, Jesus, this is almost chaos on the pitch at times. And, and this team wants to score goals. What is it? I think twice that we failed to score. Um, mm. Once at home against Leicester, which fair enough, they are a, basically a Premier League team playing in the championship. And then that Preston game, they're the only two times Norwich City have failed to score, and and you look at the other game. Oh, and, and West Brom as well. Now that was. The oh, third. and West Brom. Sorry, yeah. Wow. Okay, that was. Yeah. Sorry, I've got, it, I've got it right in front of me, but also thank you, Brain, for for blocking that one out. <laughs> but you look at those games, and and like for example, um, I can't remember which game. Well, I think it was the second goal against Sheffield Wednesday, the Ashley Barnes goal, um, mm-hmm. that came from that Sarah ball. Like Norwich can score some really good goals, and, and Sarah is a great example of, of there is that quality there. Borja signs again. We, we spoke about him earlier, didn't we? Really good player. He's not just like the Kyle Lafferty syndrome type of good, where he's just better than what we've got. You sort of watch me think, oh, hang on a minute, you're actually really good. Um, mm. And I think just to talk about him quickly, his his blueprint as a footballer for me has, has been outlined immediately in his three starts for Norwich. You've got a player who who technically superior to to anyone in a yellow and green shirt um, in that kind of position. Anyway, he can just sort of drift past players, take really neat touches, and and what I liked, ironically, I think it was in the West Brom game quite early on, was when he had the ball and he had to turn back towards his own goal. But then he turned back and he, he managed to find space to then play it forward. And I'm like, oh my god, I've not seen that for so long. Um, which, yeah, really is bottom-of-the-barrel stuff for me. But you've got that kind of player. You've got someone who's got 
a very hot head, I think is the uh, the diplomatic way to put it. And that peaked um, obviously in the West Brom game with his, his red card in the Sheffield Wednesday game. The thing I immediately noticed was he was going after Craig Dawson, not Craig Dawson. What's his name? Cameron Dawson, the key. Cameron Dawson, definitely not Craig Dawson in goal. Um, Dawson in goal, he was just going after him from corners, which I was like, okay, clearly this is the kind of player you are. But, and and, and that was really emphasised in the Sheffield Wednesday game. He's a player who needs to be given the ball. Mm. I think he'll only do so much to come and get it because systematically he's meant to like sort of go out here and, and do whatever David Wagner wants his wingers to do. Um, I don't know, ask on Hernandez, but he needs the ball at his feet. And and when he had the ball at his feet, he was really, really good. Um, and again, finishes for his two goals. Sublime. You know, that that one against Sheffield Wednesday, the first one was like, okay, you've, you know, you're here, you've made your mark. But the Huddersfield one, composure and a really good bit of technique to sort of knuckle the ball essentially over um, Maxwell, I think it is in goal for Huddersfield, mm-hmm. um, who was re- on a random note, he was like really nice to the fans during the game because I sit just behind the goal and he was like joking with the fans and um, after the game we turned around and went, have a good Christmas everyone I was like, oh, it's <laughs> me this is probably how football should be but um, given the, the, probably the nature it, it maybe well, says a lot about Huddersfield's position that the, it, yeah, the, it does, the, I think. the keeper is Wishing no, it, it doesn't at all. I'm sure he's just a lovely chap, but um, yeah, if, if he'd done it up the other end with the away fans in his ear, well, he probably wouldn't have. Um, if yeah, Roy Keane was, was his manager, I'm not sure he'd be too happy to hear that. <laughs> was, yeah, he, he'd have been dropped immediately, perhaps even um, <laughs> even let go. But yeah, like signs is 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 really good. Um, again, a shining light in, in what was a depressing season, and he's played three games for God's sake. Like, this is how desperate we are for, for something. Um, and that red card, I'll give it a little bit of airtime um, in the sense of it was a second yellow card. We we know the rules, but I, I can really, I can just let it go in the sense of English isn't his first language. We should forgive him for that. We should forgive him for the fact that I think the giving the yellow card for that is a pathetic attempt at trying to get more respect given to the officials um, because you still see players multiple times in games mouthing F off to the ref. Like that is second nature to the players at this point. And it's like, every time I see it, I'm just like, if you gave a yellow card, um, even if you introduced sin bins, if you, if you introduced sin bins or gave a yellow card, every time that happened very quickly, players would stop swearing at you. Um, You'd have that period where you start here you know, whatever the standard of telling a ref to F off is now. And you start giving yellow cards every time. You'll get up here before you get back down here, but you will get down here very quickly. Um, so that frustrates me that he got sent off for that. But for the rest of the game, you just see players mouthing F off to the ref. Um, that was my frustration. Um, and the the worrying thing, um, maybe it isn't worrying, but I imagine you probably saw this article as well. I think it was Paddy Davitt who was saying, um, you know, Wagner's got to decide: is he going is he going to let it slide, or is he kind of going to going to punish um, going to punish signs like Farker did with Jolis when he um, when he took the penalty against Liverpool? But when when I read that, I thought I think it was a fair point that Paddy was making. But I, the first thing I thought was, please God, no, don't you know, don't risk it going that way. I, I, I suppose 
I, yeah, I just, I don't think, I don't think he should be. It, it's not a punishable offence when it feels like there's more to it than, you know, signs being, being really ignorant. I, I, I just think if they were to do that and to, you know, lead him down the, lead him down the wrong path, it would be so wrong. I think he's going to miss this Millwall game. Then for that Southampton game, we need to see him back in the back in the eleven. Forget you know, forget easing him in, forget leaving him out for a bit and bringing him back in. He he needs to be he needs to be back in the mix because we've as we've already spoken about already, he's better than the other options we've got in those positions. Him and Rowe need to be those two players. So yeah, the idea. I of... think that was a column. I think that was a column. Sorry, um, just to clear Pad's name because I I didn't. No, like no, that no. Article. Yeah, I, I I I'm not I'm not accusing um I'm not accusing Paddy or anyone. I, <laughs> I just I, I think it was Paddy I'd seen who had shared it, and it kind of just got me got me thinking. Yeah, I d- I did see that, and I sort of looked at it. And I was like, why are we giving this airtime? Like there are much bigger things going on at Norwich City, and I guess you know it's looking for another angle. Um, in terms of, of of things to to talk about, um, but yeah, really good player, very exciting, um, definitely one to fit that creative Buendia mold as opposed to 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 literally, obviously, like physical attribute wise, he's quite similar to Buendia, small, not particularly quick, has this kind of like I don't know how to describe it. But like when he's running, it's almost like he doesn't run forward. It's like he's sort of on the diagonal and his legs sort of go like that. I, I really can't explain it. I'd have to physically get up and show you, which I'm not <laughs> going to do. Um, but like Buendia was a bit more physical in the sense if he could use his body a bit better. I, I don't think that's signs. Is, um... It might come with signs, though, because I think we did see some development in definitely Buendia's upper body and his in his time at the club but like again it's like if you actually look at Norwich's front line when it's fully fit and and it's no such thing as a a fully fit squad in England is there but you have Johnny Rowe who is having an amazing season for a player who I don't think has been particularly great since the beginning of the season um I love him to pieces and he scored some great goals and he's a very clever footballer, but he's not really hit the heights at all um, since the beginning of the season. You've got, you've got him, you've got signs, you've got Sergeant who I will back until the day I die. Um, you've got Ida who we, we've spoken about. You've got Ashley Barnes, championship veteran. I don't think he's very good, but I think he is an interesting part of, of a, of, of a front line and, and supports this point. But you look at that and you think, Okay, that combined with a Norwich City team that likes to score goals. Gabby Sara, again, eases that pressure. He likes to score goals. Um, So they are almost coming from midfield. I mean, from one player, sure. Um, Plus Norwich's mild aerial threat from from set pieces, which we never really have had before. Um, You think, okay, let's see how XYZ develops. But it all comes back to David Wagner. It all comes back to poor man management it comes back to poor substitutes the fact that you have oh, what was it was it the West Brom game where you had Onel Hernandez and Poheta coming on 18 months ago if not less we were trying our very best to get rid of these players uh, because they weren't good enough 
now all of a sudden they're coming on to to change a game and to try and win a game and what is you know from a Norwich City perspective being labeled as a, an attempt for for the playoffs so you know smash your head against brick wall I think that's the only way you can um approach that because yeah it's it's utterly utterly bizarre on the West Brom subs as well a lot's been said about these I don't know how you were following the game but I was um in the car on the way back from somewhere at half time when I saw the tweets um, with photos of Hanley um, warming up. He was stripped off and ready to go. So it, it, we basically knew that it was going to be Hanley coming on. And given given the red had happened, I was kind of like, yeah, fair enough. Put Hanley on an extra body. Then 10 minutes later, got in and saw he'd made two subs and brought another centre-half on and, to, you know, take a row off. Even from not watching the game, that just felt, like too too much for half time because there's clinging on and then there's you know going to flat five at the back for half the game. I know the game. I know the goal came what five minutes in, but the idea that we were going to be able to stick that out for the whole half is just crazy. And it with a with a back five, like, I I I don't know what the thinking was there. Uh, it it was just naive, and I, <clears throat> I think it was um, a man resigned to. Just accepting that that game was was over. Was defeat, um, yeah. yeah, but it, it was hilarious that I think what was it two minutes into the second half after this systematic change, it blew up in his face immediately. I think the goal came from a cross, didn't it? And and mm. Norwich's game plan for that day, and and I think maybe for Ipswich as well, and and we've seen it throughout the season, is with this high risk, high reward football. David Wagner thinks he's playing. Your fullbacks are very high up, and, and Sam McCallum, especially. Jesus Christ, that man will just be nowhere near where he should be um, defensively. But you have your high fullbacks, which allows your wingers to put the ball in. Um, and I think he put a lot of faith in that back line to essentially combat the crosses. Which I mean, there's a logic to it. You can you can see it. Okay, force them to cross the ball. Have three big centre backs to head the ball away. Hmm. When you can see two minutes into making that change. It really is just like, yeah, things are not going your way um, at all. And for the record, I paid a tenner for that match. And that is really? the last time I pay a tenner to, to stream <laughs> Norwich. It was because I, think, I was... Um, Go on. I think tomorrow's the tomorrow's the same, isn't it? If you're not going to the game, then it's not even on the red button. It's gonna. Are they offering a tenner again for Mill? Uh, I think when it's not Saturday 3pm, it'll be a tenner every time. But I might have to like bully... A companion, like a friend of mine or, or someone I know to to pay for it and then I'll force my way into their property <laughs> to watch it um that's a joke just in case that's <laughs> yeah just yeah just in case that's that, 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 was clear, that was clear enough it was clear yeah enough. yeah do you know with my tone I'm thinking hang on a minute maybe I will actually um <laughs> but yeah it's it's just like it's so dull and I don't know like I, I hear the question like well how, how can it be this bad Norwich winning and and that form we were on, you know, let's go full circle in the pod. That form we were on before those that what was it four wins in eight or two draws, which is you know on paper a decent return for a team sitting mid table in the championship. Before that run, when things were bleak, you'd have taken this run, you know, points wise, but to be sat here after it with a player you're getting quite excited about suspended against a team away from home that are just going to beat you up. You're back to just 
no hope at all. Um, and, and an interesting thing for me, and, and I think this is where perhaps we'll try and, and, and wrap up. The Norwich account likes posting matches against teams and, and highlights against the teams we're playing from, from previous years. And, and they chose Gabby Sara's goal last season. And I was thinking, okay, David Wagner was in charge. The squad wasn't too different. What really was the difference? But like, you look at sort of the, and I, they're not minute details, but like you had Max Aaron's in right back as opposed to Jack Stacey. Max Aaron's a really exciting footballer who had hit his ceiling at Norwich compared to Jack Stacey, who was on a free and is trying to prove everyone wrong. That immediately is, is one play. You had Pookie on the pitch as well. You had an informed Gabby Sara. Um, you had a bunch, I think maybe Sergeant was playing, but you had a bunch of factors that actually contextually squad wise were, were quite different. You had a bit more of a settled defense. It would have been Hanley and Gibson playing, I think. Um, yeah, I think Sorensen played on that. Sorensen, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. No, it, it might have been Hanley and Gibson. I, just, I think Sorensen was, he did, he did score was in, yeah. in the, in the middle behind, behind Sarah and McLean. It, it's, it's interesting. You bring the game up because I, I was kind of thinking, um, I know we're not going to go over to, over it too much, but thinking back over 2023, and I think that Millwall away game was probably um, the most excited I've felt coming away from a ground um, about about this team because I think that was the fourth win in five. Um, it took us into the playoffs above Millwall. Okay, we still had 10, 10 games left, but when a win like that against a rival takes you into the playoffs, you start to dream, don't you? And I think people people were walking home and saying, oh, Wagner's taking us to Wembley, whatever. And then we just nosedive from there. So it feels interesting that that's where we finish the year is going back there. They're, you know, they're, they're not in the mix with the playoffs by any means. Um, but it's still, it still doesn't feel like a, you know, a guaranteed win tomorrow night. It, it feels like it could go anyway. Yeah. That's exactly it, George. And yeah, it, it, it's difficult. It's I, I've said that so many times in these videos recently. It's difficult because there really is is uh, you know quite little to to clutch onto, and there are a lot of things that we know need you know not, not reform but but tweaking. And a big part of that is is the head coach and and direction and and vision and and all these things, but. We're caught in limbo, aren't we? We're going round in, and let's reference the title of this video, we're going round in circles, which is the quality of this league with, you know, alongside the quality of our squad suggests we aren't going to get relegated. We did get a bit worried at one point, didn't we? But we shouldn't get relegated. I don't know. But I'm also, not sure I've ever been that worried about it, to be honest. Well, true, I, I, but it, I, it made I, for I, a nice I, video, didn't it? It made for a nice video <laughs> title. Um but as a, come on, George, as a journal, you've got to have that mindset. You've got to have that uh, <laughs> what sounds the best mindset. But like, no, that's true. It's like, we're, you know, if we win two games, all of a sudden we're up there. This league, ah, it, oh, it blows my mind. It really, um, it really, yeah, it does blow my mind. I think I, I think I've run out of desire to talk about Norwich possibly forever um but let, let's remember you know football cyclical um what is it swings and roundabouts you know things come and go it will get better again um weirdly enough I actually am almost you know excited for this this next chapter once they chop Wagner and I think I think you'll probably see it at the season to be honest um 
I think Ben Napper is, is biding his time. And, and this isn't informed, you know, these aren't informed opinions. These are just me speculating based off my hopes um, for, for what it's worth. But yeah, it's difficult. Um, the only sort of thing that could happen next to make anything worse, I think, would be if like season ticket prices went up or something. At that point, I would then well pay it and turn up but like yeah i'd still be very upset um it's going to be a pretty key key announcement though isn't it and and in terms of the the timing when it comes as well i don't i don't know it's normally around february march time isn't it i, I don't know the fixtures in that um in that part of the season well enough but yeah a lot will depend on how how we're doing at that time and how we all feel about wagner then if he's still in the job yeah yeah i think also for the record I think it was the Preston game was the most empty I've seen Carroll Road. These figures of attendance is a total nonsense. What was it like? Said at the Huddersfield game, they said twenty five, didn't they? It said said 20, just over twenty six thousand at the Huddersfield game. I think at, it was better. It was better at Huddersfield, wasn't it? You're you're right. It, I think it Preston was, but it wasn't twenty six thousand. It was not yeah, twenty six thousand. Yeah, yeah. Pre- Preston was crazy. Preston. Um, so I sit in the River End, um, lower River End, quite near the front on the right of the post, and I looked to my left and saw what is parallel to the snake pit what is that side even called like oh the uh, not the wentz and the thorpe is it the thorpe Thorpe yeah we'll call it the rabbit's den um it was like basically empty it was the the amount of yellow seats that i saw was 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 insane um which i i don't think it's like strike action per se i think it's just a lot of people are quite um apathetic about it and they're a bit like "Eh." um so yeah We'll, we'll see if that causes any panic, which then forces decisions. We'll see what happens. Um, but for me, that's everything that I'd like to talk about. Is there anything else for you? Or are we happy to snip it there and, and pray for better times? No massive points to make for me. I just think the the Southampton game is one I'm really not looking forward to, mainly because um, when we last had Russell Martin um, in the dugout, <laughs> yeah which was earlier this year he they they ripped us apart didn't they and, and that, yeah. that, that 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 was a that was a swansea team who you know have not pulled up any trees really that they, they they played us off the park and saints are going to turn up scoring so many goals um you know they're they're going to be full of confidence we don't know how it's going to go at millwall but yeah i am quite worried about how the saints game is going to go yeah, I'm terrified. I won't be there. Um, me and my me and my better half are going up to Manchester to celebrate um, New Year's. So I will do my very probably best. Probably better off there, aren't you? Yeah. Do you know what? I, I remember the days of when I used to be crushed if I couldn't go to the football. I remember the days <laughs> of I could not miss the football. Whereas now it's like, uh, you know, we'll just watch the highlights and see how many chances we spooned alongside how many soft goals we conceded. <laughs> um, last thing, Robin Frost makes a great point. Um, didn't pick Saints for three months. Yep, Hernandez not scored in over three seasons. Yep, that's the state of play. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Thank you all very much for watching, uh, whether you watch live or whether you're watching or, or listening even. Um, if you want to rate the episode on YouTube, leave a thumbs up and a comment. Spotify, I think there's like a little green star system. Apple Podcasts, which most of you guys um, listen on. I don't know how you rate that, but I'll find I think out. It might be star- I think it might be stars on there as well. I think it's. There you go. Stars on there five. as well. 
Um, any of that would be appreciated if you don't want to. Yeah, fair enough. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hopefully next year we'll have some positive things to talk about. We'll be doing lots more of these live streams. George, anything else to to plug? Any any particular pieces coming up for you with with perhaps the women or uh, the women are back next weekend on the seventh. Um, I, I don't there's going to be any any pieces immediately, but yeah, they're back on the seventh. I'm going to Millwall tomorrow night, even though the trains are um, up the Swanee. So I'm, I'm I'm quite looking forward to it to be honest. It, it, we've had. We've had a few good results down there, down the years, haven't we? I know, I know, we had the the horrible one with Farker when he yeah. first started, but I'm I'm hoping, you know, that one is an anomaly and we can carry on a fairly good recent record at the Den. But we'll see. Well, my fingers are crossed for you. Um, I'll be watching in one way or another. Thank you all again very much for watching, and until next time, we'll see you again very very soon. <laughs>